0: I want to ask you a question: If uh, if you've noticed that you're sometimes surprised by things that shouldn't catch you by surprise, you know, like you get the credit card statement in the mail and you say, "Oh, how how did this happen? Have you ever done that, right?" Or or uh, you know, obviously we're all getting older day by day and year by year. But then you look in the mirror and you go, "Like, how did this happen? Like, <laughs> what what?" Right? Or, or maybe you, like me, enjoy eating homemade pizza every Friday night. It's, it's been a family tradition for your years and you do that every Friday and then you look and you say, how, how did this happen? <laughs> like, what's going on? Well, we are surprised sometimes by things that, that shouldn't surprise us. But we know it's not quite that simple. We, we shouldn't be surprised by the, by the bumps and Bruises along the way, but we often are because we we let ourselves be surprised that there is an actual enemy of our soul. There's an actual enemy that wants nothing more than to take you down. It's uh, it's not so much that you are a threat to the devil. Joshua's just praying about that. And as we close that last song. But as a follower of Jesus. You share in and you make known the glory of God. And the devil hates that. He, more than anything, he hates God getting glory because he wants glory for himself. He wants attention for himself. And when God gets the glory, he hates that. And because you are a vessel of God's glory, he wants to destroy you. That's how, that's how he functions. And so, we are going to look at this work of the predator or the enemy in First Peter chapter five. So we're going to be in verse eight. We're going to read to the end of the chapter. We're focusing on verses eight, nine and 10, but we're going to read the rest of it. So I know you've been standing, but I invite you to stand again for the reading of God's word. First Peter, chapter five, starting at verse eight. He says this: "Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. And in verse 10, In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered a little while, And these people were, in fact, suffering physical persecution. He will restore, support and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. And then finally, verse 12 to the end, he's some kind of general greetings as often happens in these letters. He says, I've written and I've sent a short letter to you with the help of Silas. Your translation might say Silvanus. And uh, this would have been someone who was either scribing it for him or even interpreting for him or writing it down for him. Whom I commend to you as a faithful brother. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in this grace. Your sister church here in Babylon. Okay, let me make a comment about that. Yours might say, she who is in Babylon. Babylon is a, is a reference, a, is a, you know, kind of a metaphorical or cryptic reference to Rome as a, you know, a place of, um, you know, kind of an anti-God place. So he's saying the church in Rome, your sister church here in Babylon sends you greetings. And so does my son, Mark. It's not an actual son. That's somebody that Peter was mentoring and uh, actually probably wrote the, the gospel of Mark through Peter's direction. Verse 14, greet each other with Christian love or with a holy kiss and peace be with all of you who are in Christ. We thank the Lord for his word. Let's be seated together. You have an enemy, he says, prowling around like a roaring lion. You know, some people get spooked talking about evil, talking about real, actual evil. Um, some of you like watching scary movies because, you know, you like being scared. And some of you feel like, oh, you know, this is the scary thing to talk about evil. And maybe you're a little superstitious about it. And so you're worried that if we talk about the devil, that you're somehow now more vulnerable or more at risk. Of the devil's uh, work. Well, the, the truth of that is that you and I are already and always vulnerable and at risk if, there's an if here, if we're not aware about the way he functions or the kinds of things that he's up to. Many years ago, Christian recording artist, and we've talked about Keith Green before, but Christian recording artist Keith Green wrote a song. Um, it was just called No One Believes in Me Anymore. And it was the song, he, he wrote it from the devil's First person perspective. You know, he says things like, I used to have to sneak around, but now they just open their door. No one's watching for my tricks because no one believes in me anymore. And that's kind of what's that theme of the song. No one, I can do whatever I want because no one believes in me anymore. The, the, the devil speaking. And you know, that's kind of true. I mean, pretending that the devil is not real, that he's just sort of a, an idea or a concept Right? Pretending that the devil is not a real personality, uh, only makes him more dangerous. Only makes him more of a threat. Pretending that practices like the occult, uh, practices, should I should say, of the occult, things like palm reading and, and psychic readings and, 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 and card readings, or pretending that things like horoscopes or Ouija boards, that those aren't harmful or those aren't real, that they're just entertainment. Pretending those things aren't real is what gives them power over people's lives. Because they find a way in and they begin to set up strongholds for the enemy. Peter's warning, and you can read it elsewhere in the New Testament in particular, is that the devil is intentional. He's scheming. He makes plans to destroy. he, He stalks his prey like a lion in the wild. Look, you don't need to be afraid of the enemy. But you need to be aware and you need to be wise about how he we, how we functions. Jesus faced the devil head-on. When he was in the wilderness, Jesus had been baptized. He went into the wilderness led by the Holy Spirit. And it was before he launched into public ministry. And while he was there, he was tempted. He was fasting. He was tempted by the devil for 40 days. And in, in that time, Jesus faced the devil head-on. And he, he did so with uh, Scripture. He did so with a solid uh, recognition of his identity. He was alone. But the angels also ministered to him. But, um, you, you know, we, we have the help of, of the Lord with us. But listen, you are at your most vulnerable when you isolate, when you get out of the pack, when you let yourself sort of stay away from God's people, when you're alone and trying to do this your own way, when you're not doing anything to strengthen and build yourself up. No one knows what you're going through. No one's kind of helping you be accountable. No one's uh, challenging you to grow spiritually through good spiritual friendships. Now, I will say this. When you are in a pack, when you are in a group, when you are in a, s- a small group setting or relationships of, of spiritual significance, uh, you're going to have people who have your back. Look, you do not need to be afraid. You just got to be wise about that. Jesus was was wise in his his. You know, defense, resisting the enemy, and you can be too. The, the point is this: you're going to face trials. You're going to face opposition. You're going to face temptation. I like how Callista said it this morning. With, with Jesus as the Lord of your life, you're not storm-free, but you're storm-proof. Um, that's a great way to put it. Um, and just because you trust Jesus does not mean that you live on easy street. So then, really, the question is, what are you going to do about that? Like, how are you going to do this? How are you going to manage So I want to pull three little keys out of here of how to resist or or how to thrive in trials in opposition. If you're ready for me, the first found there in verse eight, just jumping back to verse eight, where Peter says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. What's this about? This is about a mental clarity. Stay alert. Watch out. You want to commit to mental clarity. If you're taking notes and you're fill-ins this this morning, that's where that is. Commit to mental clarity. I don't don't know if you know this, but, um, your spirit, let's go to that next slide if we can. Let's, um, you know, your spiritual health in part depends on your physical and mental readiness. New, New Living Translation here says, stay alert, watch out, can be more directly translated. Be sober-minded and watchful. Now what does that mean? Well, sober-mindedness, in part is an attitude. It's a way of functioning in your life, that you're staying clear, but it also literally means to stay sober. And I, I would just put it this way: Don't compromise your ability to resist the devil by clouding your mind and your body with eating and drinking that leaves you intoxicated and foggy and, and unclear. Look. Lots of things that are legal, right? Doesn't mean to say they're good for us or wise for us to do. And so just because something's legal doesn't mean to say you need to use it. So I'm, you know, if we talk about, I, yeah, of course I'm talking about things like alcohol, marijuana, but there are other things too, just overeating or overindulging in ways that just cloud your mind, fog you up, make it difficult for you to really have a clear mind. Keep yourself healthy. And active enough so that you can stay on top of things mentally, because it's part of what helps keep you sharp spiritually. Helps you watch for that lion who's who's stalking you. Um, you want to remember the fate of the calf separated from the herd. It's a pretty brutal image of that calf being taken down. He's easy. Pickings for the line. He's not even watching what's going on. He's just, baw, 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 just chowing down on the grass, and all of a sudden, it's all over for him. So, commit to mental clarity, be alert, and be sober. Now, he, he carries on there. There's another one that in Peter mentions it in verse nine. He says this: "Stand firm." Um, verse nine: "Stand firm against him, and be strong in your faith." <clears throat> Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. Stand firm against them and be strong in your faith. Well, what does that mean? This is about committing to a spiritual vitality. Spiritual vitality. What is vitality? Vitality just means life. You know, if you're, if you're very sick, you go to see the doctor, they, they take what? Your vital signs. Signs of life. Are you alive? Do you have a heartbeat? Uh, you know is are you you know what what 's going on with your body a, commit to a spiritual life or a spiritual vitality because to stand firm or to, literally to resist the enemy is uh, means you 're alive it 's not the same as ignoring the enemy it 's an important distinction I think to draw um, i 've been dealing with a problem in my in my toe this week there's way more information you don 't really need to know this, but let me tell you anyway because it's a good illustration. I've been dealing with a problem in my toe. And while I've been trying hard to get sympathy for my pain, I was just hoping that if I just kind of ignored it, the problem would go away. And it's not going away. So uh, finally, late in the week, I go to the doctor. And the doctor says, yep, you got a problem. I'll send you to see somebody else, which is so helpful. Um, but listen, when, when we just ignore something, when we ignore the devil, it doesn't mean to say he says, oh, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll leave you alone. Right? We're not told to ignore the devil. We're told to resist. To actively resist to stand against him. To do so, Peter says, to be strong in the faith. To be strong in what you believe and what you practice. Um, I, w- I would say something like this like having a good c- grasp on who you are in Christ, having a good grasp on what is the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Stand firm in the faith. I want to illustrate this by interviewing somebody. I need somebody who is pretty good at what you do. Kind of an expert. Maybe not expert is too strong a word, but you you're good at your thing. It's a sport. It's your work. There's no donuts today. No cash. No reward. Anybody want to help me out? Matt. Okay. Matt. This is Matt Hofer. Let's give Matt a hand right now. He's volunteered. <laughs> so I'm going to do a little interview with you, Matt. Matt, what is the area, your area of expertise? Poop and how it flows
1: down the... I'm a civil engineer, so I... He's a civil engineer. Sewer lines and all how, like that. How
0: poop and how it flows. <laughs> all right, that's good. I can work with that. Now, how did you get to be good at what you do? Uh, a lot of practice. I did do some. Not school. that
1: kind of practice. <laughs> no. no, you're thinking. Well, no, I did do a lot of practice, yeah. too, but... Um, Yeah, just a lot of school and a lot of working through it with others more smarter than me. So, more smarter.
0: More smarter than you. More intelligent than me. Now, would you say that you know all there is to know about civil engineering? No. Do you, have you learned, like are you gonna, have you stopped kind of trying to get more knowledge?
1: It's funny you should ask that. No, no,
0: I I haven't stopped. You haven't stopped. You continue on. Yeah. So that there's more to learn and, and as you learn it, you, apply it. Correct. So in your field of engineering, how do you like hold your, how do you stand firm in your, your field of expertise?
1: Know what you're talking about and, you know, do research before you talk, um, helps, um, know what, um, the laws and the rules are. Know you have to know the theory behind what you're doing. And so staying up on all that helps so that you know, this is what I know to be true. Poop flows downhill. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, water behaves this way and things behave a certain way. I know that, um, you know, great from experience and from, um, from what I learned in school Excellent. and others.
0: Thanks, Matt. Let's give right. him a hand. Very good. So if you learn nothing else today, you learn that poop flows downhill. That's good. But this is the idea. That's what we're talking about. If you were to apply that in a spiritual sense, this idea of a standing firm means you know what you're talking about. means you develop relationships with people that, and he said, are more smarter than you are, who can help you grow and get better at your craft a better understanding of who you are. I'm not talking about becoming an egghead for Jesus. I'm not talking about becoming a high-level academic so you just gain more and more knowledge. Remember, knowledge in the Christian life, knowledge always is paired with application. If you're only learning and never applying it, it's useless information, right? Uh, it's, that's what puffs up, makes you proud. But if you're learning and you're applying, that's what helps you be effective in your, in your life, in your Christian walk. So that's about standing firm in your faith. Growing a spiritual life, a spiritual vitality, and, and you know, as Matt said, he hasn't learned all there is to learn about civil engineering in the same way. You haven't arrived spiritually; you haven't learned all there is to learn about your about your faith. You're like a you know a child still growing, and we we are children of God, which means we're perpetually learning and growing in our relationship with Him. It's good you're here this morning. I'm glad you're here. But I would ask this. What else are you doing to energize your life spiritually? If you're only depending on me, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to. It's not going to be enough. What are you doing to energize your life spiritually? Are you together with some other people who can help you create, you know, spiritually enriched friendships? So you're not alone spiritually all the time. Not alone in your life all the time. Do you. Do you read anything of spiritual value, even if it's something as little as a devotional book or blogs online or or listen to some podcasts or some ways that you're going to grow? Do you have a grasp on what the faith is? If you're going to stand strong in it, you need to be able to grasp what it is. You're here today for one of two reasons. You're either here today because you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God who died for your sin who was raised to life to give you eternal life, and who now is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you as the Lord of your life. Either you believe that, or the second reason you're here is that you're trying to figure out if that's true or not. Maybe you've been raised in that, now you're testing it out, maybe this is a new system to you, maybe we're trying to make it personal, but you're trying to figure out. Do I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He did die for my sin and rise again to give me new life, that He is, in fact, the one who is to be the Lord of my life, interceding for me on, on my behalf with God the Father. Those are the two kind of choices. That's the faith. Believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died for your sin and rose again and now lives forever and will one day return for His own. To be a Christian is to believe that and to live like you believe it. To live like that matters. To live like that actually governs your life. That Jesus is the Lord. Now, I wonder, do you grasp that? Do you get it? It's what I said about Jesus being the Son of God. Is that firm enough that you can say that's the foundation of my life? That's what my life is built on. That's the non-negotiable that informs everything else I do. What is my faith? Now, it might be illogical. It might be unpopular. It it, it might cause you some uh, mild persecution in your life to stand firm or to be strong in your faith. You, you know, might have you might have friends or coworkers, maybe classmates. Who tease you for being a Christian? They call you names. Maybe it's lonely where you are right now. Maybe you just want to quit. Maybe you just want to hide. You just don't want anybody to know that you do the church thing. You just want to get just get it done here for a couple of hours. Maybe you just because people are making it hard for you. And I want you to know this: people are not your enemy. The devil is your enemy, but the devil uses people. To attack and topple Christians. That's how he functions. And So maybe it's a student in a college classroom and, and and you've got a college prof who wants to sort of humiliate a student in the classroom for being a Christian. Or maybe it's a, a boss who mocks you for wanting to have Sundays off so you can be at church. Or maybe it's a a neighbor, a friend, a family member who, who says, you still believe in those fairy tales? Those people are being used. They're not your enemy, but they're instruments of the devil to knock you off your game because the devil is a predator. He wants to take you down. And you have to develop spiritual vitality. Spiritual life. I don't mean just knowledge. I mean spiritual life. So you can withstand that. Things like daily devotions. Things like... Being in a small group or serving with other people or worshiping together like we're doing today, these things help. And there's another piece, and Peter talks about this here, he, you know, according to him, is to have spiritual concern for other people. Particularly a spiritual concern for other Christians who are enduring suffering. Remember, he says, that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. We want to remember to care for them and pray for them even as one day you and I might be in their shoes. I want to show you a short video here from Voice of the Martyrs that um, talks about a brother from Iran.
2: When we live among people who are resistant to or openly hostile to our faith, it's hard, sometimes terrifying, to stand strong and to live out our identification as followers of Jesus. But since the earliest Bible times, God has called people to serve Him, even as they face challenging circumstances. Even small acts that identify you as a Christian can trigger horrible retribution. Courage that is rooted in God's power and faithfulness is essential. ISIS claiming responsibility for ISIS continues to dominate headlines in the Western world.
3: My name is Aram. I'm originally from Iran, from Kurdistan, Sunnah. And since 2003, I'm living as a refugee in Kurdistan after Iraq. The reason that because we converted to Christianity, then when the intelligence in Iran, they find out about us, they took my father to the jail in Iran, and then they tortured him for a week. So when they released him after four or five days, he passed away. So to feeling this guilty, stay with me for a long time what, what my family are thinking about me. All this has happened to them, and they are facing a difficulties because of me. I was really mad on myself. I didn't know that like, I should continue on my activities and doing evangelize, going on missions or not.
2: Then one day,
3: I, it was noontime, that I fall asleep. Then I saw that there was, uh, Jesus came to me. He just appeared to me and told me that it's right that you lost your earthly father, but right now you have me, so you can call me your father, your father in heaven. So he said, don't worry, wherever you go, I will take care of you and even your family. We have been rejected many times by Muslims, by other people that do not go and evangelize, do not give them the Bibles. But right now, when we go to whoever, they are asking for Bibles. They are getting more interest to the Christianity because they are ashamed of what they are doing, ISIS, and behavior of Islam. And even when we deliver the Bibles, they are not rejecting it. They take it. They read
1: it. He knew what's happened, and he knew what he knows what's going to happen again.
2: But yet he's still out there doing it. Yeah.
3: I can't watch this footage and just think, oh, wow, wouldn't it be tough to be a Christian in Iraq? I'm really thankful I live here and then go back to my comfortable pew Sunday morning. Like, this has to do something to me. This is the body of Christ. This has to change something deep inside me that's like, I want that kind of courage.
2: Courage for Christ is about doing his will, even in the face of danger. God has promised that sometimes we will face trials, but he's also promised that he will never leave us or forsake us. So what about you? Can you say with our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church that nothing will stop you because you know that God is with you?
0: So we want to be mindful, remembering Believers around the world who are suffering for Christ. So we talked about commit to a mental clarity, commit to a spiritual vitality. There's one more kind of key here, and that's to commit to a grace identity. What does that mean? Let me read verse 10 for you again. Verse 10 says, in his kindness. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore support and strengthen you and He will place you on a firm foundation. In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory. It's this. We want to commit to a grace identity. Now, who calls you to salvation? It wasn't yourself. God is the one who calls you to salvation. It's God. He initiates a friendship with you that, that, to, to, to have with him. He, Peter says that in his kindness, he called you, or maybe a more literal translation is the God of all grace called you to his eternal glory. So that means as a believer in Jesus Christ, your identity, who you are, is that you are invited and empowered by God into an eternal friendship. An eternal friendship with the gracious God. And it's only God that can, as Peter says, restore you, support you, strengthen you, place you on a firm foundation. So to commit to a grace identity is this, that you never, never, ever take credit for your own salvation. You can't. You cannot do that. You cannot take credit for your own righteousness. Now... I do good works and you do too. You give, you serve, you help, you love people, you you encourage, you use your spiritual gifts. Those are all great things. Those are good works that you do. But your righteousness and my righteousness, righteousness means right standing with God. My right standing with God is not achieved by those good things I do. And you know this to be true. My righteousness comes from the grace of God. Of God who initiated the friendship, who called me into relationship with him so that I could be righteous. That's how that works. So when you remind yourself. Of your grace identity, it takes the pressure off you to be something that you could never be on your own. A righteous child of God. It means I allow Christ to empower me to resist the predator and his scheming attacks When you remind yourself that I'm a child of God and I'm saved by God's grace. That means you're submitting to him. And last week we talked about this humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, which is we decide is a good hand. As we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. We're allowing God to empower us to live a God pleasing life for him. It allows God to establish you on a firm foundation, as Peter says. So I just wonder about you, is do you recognize that there is an enemy, a real enemy, who prowls around your life, who pokes and prods and looks for those vulnerabilities and weaknesses, and knows maybe where you're likely to fall? I wonder if you know that, but I also wonder if you know that you do not need to fear, you do not need to succumb for these reasons, that you've committed to a mental clarity. I'm going to be sober and alert and watchful for the devil's work. I'm I'm going to commit to a spiritual vitality. I'm actually going to grow spiritually, not just coast on what I learned in Sunday school as a kid, or I'm not just going to coast on on high experiences at at summer camp. I'm actually going to develop an ongoing, daily, weekly, intentional relationship with Jesus Christ that's going to give me spiritual strength so that I can stand firm in my faith. And it means you're going to commit to a grace identity, reminding yourself who you are. Reminding yourself, I am a child of God. I'm saved by God's grace, not by my works, through my faith in Him. And when you understand and grasp that you're righteous, not because you're good. You're righteous because God is good. That gives you strength to resist the devil. Now, two two things. One is, you might say, Oh, but Brian, I, I blow it so much. You have no idea. You have no idea how much I sin. I, I, I'm like, well, no, I don't. But Jesus does. And he loves you. And his, his grace is greater. We sang two songs about God's amazing grace this morning. It's amazing because it's amazing. <laughs> And God's grace is big enough to cover all that. If, if we'll submit and surrender and bring those things to Him. So that's one thing. That He is so good to us hour by hour, day by day. The other piece is you may say, I don't, I've never actually started this friendship with God that you're talking about. I, I, I intellectually I know God's there. Intellectually I know that Jesus is a good person, all that things. But have you trusted Jesus to forgive you? And, and make you a child of God. And that's the starting place for all these other good things, that righteousness that God can pour in your life, giving you and empowering you to be able to withstand the enemy's attacks. Will you bow with me as we close in prayer? God, we, we, are, um, we wish there was no enemy and we wish there was just like smooth sailing all the time. That's what we would like. But God, we recognize that it doesn't work that way. We recognize that the that the devil is a real uh, entity who seeks to destroy, seeks to devour your people, seeks to keep those who don't know you from finding you, seeks to keep us in the dark, seeks, seeks to keep us condemned. It looks for ways to keep us in shame and accusation. I just thank you that you came to set us free from all of that. And I just pray today, God, that you would empower your people with a refreshed um, love for you and a refreshed passion to know you. To, to be sober and alert, to be, to be spiritually alive so that we can withstand. To remember our brothers and sisters in Christ who, who are suffering and to be so firmly committed to our identity as, as people saved by grace that the devil just has no way in, has no chance to bring us down. Church, as you're kind of thinking about heading into this new week, I would just urge you to make a habit of reminding yourself, I'm a child of God. Just we sang it today in that song. I'm a child of God. I'm saved by God's grace. I, I'm, I am a forgiven child of God. And if you're a person who has never given your life to Christ, today would be a great day to do that. To say, Jesus, I trust you to forgive my sin. I believe that you are the Son of God. That, that I can yield to you as the Lord of my life. And I will follow you all my days. That's the starting place for you. So God, we're grateful for the good work you're doing in our lives and in our church and in our community. We just commit our whole party in the park to you today. We pray that you would just be Lord over that whole thing and that you would guide us into just loving our neighborhood in a great way. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.